Dress must be wrong. No, no, there it is. She lives in a houseboat. Wow, she is so cool. We hate her, Homer. I know, I know. Fight to power. Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode 2 of season 13. It is episode CABF22. It is the parent rap. I am Dando. I am Guy. And yes, we are back with you after a uh, a very eventful few days for both Dando and myself. Uh, speaking for myself, uh, the lovely Louise and I celebrated our second anniversary. That's right. Two years of happiness from me and two years of tolerance on the part of the lovely Louise. So um, we, we had a very nice weekend, uh, went out to dinner, uh, walked up the Yu Yangs in what proved to be a foolish move because we sort of got back down and said, ow, our aching legs, let's never do that again, uh, and generally just enjoyed each other's company all weekend. It was very, very nice. Hey, Dando, how were things at your house? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you had aching ankles. I had aching everything. So, oh, you poor devil. Basically, so last week, Elliot, we assuming Elliot caught something at daycare, like a, a gastro of some kind. It wasn't coming at both ends. It was just throwing up. But mm-hmm. so Friday, was it Friday? Yeah, so Friday night uh, would have been about uh, 11 o'clock. Started getting the, the usual oh, daddy cuddles, daddy cuddles over the monitor. I thought, oh, here we go, whatever. Go in. Funnily there. enough, that funnily enough, that's also what I heard this weekend. If you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> no, I didn't really. Um. And throughout the night, it was just you know, it was getting more and more um, frequent uh, every twenty minutes or so. And then it, all of a sudden, he started sort of he threw up. Just it was almost like stomach bile. It wasn't much, just a little bit mm. onto a towel that I had in there. And then he started being a bit more sick, a bit more sick. I got to the morning, he had a bit of a fever, so Nicola gave him some Panadol, put it in with a syringe, and then bang, just projectile. Everything just came out from the night before, the water he'd been drinking. So he was really, really unwell. Uh, So we had to take him to the emergency room, but it took two days to enter his system. We, of course, got it from him. So Monday, I'm at work. All of a sudden, I feel this rumbling in my belly. I go to the toilet and just, I'm sick. I go home, had to pull over on the way home, sick. Sick as soon as I walk in the front door. And then about three hours later, Nicola's on the floor in the hallway. Everyone's just throwing up in his house. So it was just not a pleasant few days. So I just want to give a shout out to the patients because I didn't get last week's podcast up till yesterday. So they're supposed to get the, the podcast a week ahead. They got it. You know, what, maybe two days ahead <laughs> this week? But they were all absolute <laughs> legends. They forgave me because they knew how sick we were. It was not a very pleasant time. But enough of the uh, the disgusting discussions, Mr. Davis. As time we move along, you were just mentioning anniversaries. You were just celebrating your two-year anniversary. Congratulations, by the way. I did not know that. That's very nice Thank to hear. Thank uh, you so much. It is now another anniversary tonight, and it's a very special one. It is the 30th anniversary of The Simpsons airing in Australia for the very first time. It was a a warm, balmy, I'm going to say summer. Yeah, it would have been summer. Yes, summer (laughs) evening, February 10th, 1991, Channel 10, 
This little show called The Simpsons, airing for the first time in Australia, it was Bart the Genius. We didn't actually get The Simpsons Christmas special until a few weeks later. The first episode that aired was Bart the Genius, 7.30pm. So we thought what we'd do to celebrate is we just started recording this at 7.30pm, February 10th, 2021, 30 years from the day. And to mark the celebrations, we are going to next week do the next episode of Four Finger Discount Revisited, where we will be reviewing Bart the Genius. So it's all tying together well, isn't it, Mr. Davis? It's tied together in a beautiful, uh, pristine bow. Well done, Mr. Dando. I mean, you've uh, yeah, you were you had the stopwatch out, and you insisted that we uh, do it right on time. You you power through sickness, and uh, yes, you're you're doing it for the doing it for the fans and. Good it's just, the kind, you, of, it's just well the kind of guy I am. What can I say? What can you say? <laughs> so everything's wrapped up in a neat little package, as Homer would say. Indeed, indeed. And what can you say about the parent rap, this episode that we're about to talk about this episode? The episode that critics called both decent and filler. <laughs> I think this was an episode that sort of suffered from a similar, a similar thing that many current episodes from the later season suffer from. It's that... Really good premise, good, good, good. And then it sort of hits a, a part in the story where it sort of goes, you didn't really need to take this route and the ending sort of feels a bit out of nowhere. I wasn't a huge fan of the ending. I mean, purely because I wasn't a big fan of Homer attempting to kill Judge Constant Harm, Constance Harm. I just thought mm. that was a little bit too far. I thought, no, the character of Homer shouldn't genuinely want to kill this person. I just thought that's yeah, a bit too much. Um, I mean, if you, if you have him attempting to throw the cinder block and not actually throwing, but just sort of thinking about it and then stopping that's one thing but for him to actually follow through and try and kill her i thought i don't really like that but i sort of felt this episode i was really really enjoying it i thought it was i wouldn't say it was great but i thought it was pretty solid and i think the episode would have been better if they had it just stuck with homer and bart being tethered together and focused more on how their lives were improving by being joined together because they sort of hint at that mm. they hint at how bart's doing better at school as a result and homer's enjoying working at nights and things like that and they're starting to learn more about each other and things like that but they only touch on it here and there i thought rather than somehow for some reason to change the story to marge and homer being the ones who are locked up I didn't think that was necessary at all. I think you should have just stuck with it being a Homer and Bart episode and it would have been perfectly fine and you would have got a lot more out of it. That's just my opinion. What are your thoughts? Look, I do agree with your opinion in a lot of ways. The uh, shift from the Homer and Bart storyline to the Homer and Marge storyline did feel a lot like changing horses midstream. It didn't uh, mm. didn't really sort of add much to the episode in general. And in term and you know, both in terms of, uh, you know, story and also in terms of jokes. I mean, it didn't really... Having um, Homer and Marge tethered together, I don't know, it just wasn't as humorous as I imagined it would be. So... And I, I guess, and I don't want to offend anybody by saying this, but I just don't think you can get as many laughs out of Marge as what you can with a Homer and Bart dynamic. Yeah, I think you might be right there. Yeah, I mean, um, look, I didn't really get a whole lot of laughs out of this episode. I mean, I was... You know, not sort of walking away from the television in disgust every few minutes going, be more funny. I wasn't doing anything like that, but uh, nor was I kind of like, you know, exceptionally amused. There were one or two good lines in here, of course, and one or two good bits of business. But, uh, yeah, generally speaking, I think this would be a bit of a blah episode. I, I, I was really enjoying it. I, honestly, I was actually really enjoying it up to the point where they re replaced Bart with Marge. And I know they were going for the whole, they, it was a setup for the ending where Bart was saying, oh, you know, I'm such a bad kid and mm. my parents are the only ones that stand by me, blah, blah, blah. But 
I just don't think the episode even needed that. I would rather sacrifice that ending for the sake of just having Homer and Bart learn to kind of like, you know, when they have the episodes where Homer and Lisa bond better. Yes. When it, they seem to dedicate an entire episode to that usually when, when that's the, the crutch of the, of, the, of the episode. But when for some reason they decided to go with Marge replacing Bart mid, or not even mid, it was like two thirds into the episode. And I just sort of thought, eh, this doesn't, this isn't as entertaining as it was before because you can't have Marge, you know, whipping Homer and things like that, which I thought was really, really funny. The, the little bickering and things mm. like that. But also I was really enjoying and appreciating the fact that they were becoming better people as a result. And yeah, I just didn't think the episode needed the, needed the change. Well, that could have been interesting. I mean, if the fact that, uh, you know, they really disliked this woman who has put them in this situation, you know, whereby they're tethered together or, she, you know, Judge Harm as being a real sort of... Um, dictator or you know a real sort of tough love kind of magistrate but she's getting results as a uh, you know with with all that stuff i mean that could be uh, yes. something interesting to play with but no they didn't really sort of go through with that one thing one thing else that uh, that i noticed in this episode and i don't know if it's going to be something going forward and it's sort of prompted me to maybe go back and look at a few uh episodes from the previous season there seems to be a real sort of cynicism Sort of sneaking mm-hmm. into the humour of, of The Simpsons. I mean, you know, this this episode does uh, have that whole kind of um, semi touchy feely ending, and I think uh, you know some uh, some critics and reviewers actually took a bit of issue with that. They thought it was a bit sappy and a bit smarmy. Um, but I don't know all throughout the humour in this. There's just t- touches of. I won't go so far as to say bitterness, but it uh, yeah, it does feel a little sort of jaded and a little kind of angry in parts. I mean, you can see it from the very beginning with the with the uh, with the board gag. I mean, they put up nobody reads these anymore. It's kind of yeah, you can almost sense the uh, sense the mood in the writers' room when they came up with that. And there's other gags in there as well. I mean, there's that um, that line that uh, Judge Harmer has says about uh, if I want a cock and bull story, I'd read Hemingway. And you've turned you know you've got Homer and Bart sort of looking at each other going, what? I don't know. So, I mean, it's almost assuming that... Um, Younger viewers know or don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, look, that may well be the case. I mean, Hemingway's not exactly the uh, the word on the kids' lips these days. But uh, I get the feeling in, you know, earlier seasons of the, uh, of the show, there was a lot of paying homage to stuff that, you know, the, the, the target audience might not necessarily get, but it's in there regardless. And if you get it, great. And if you don't, it's no worries. I mean, I don't know. There was just a feeling in this episode that the the creative team didn't have contempt for the audience, but they're kind of like, they, it felt like they were starting to get pushback. Like for they were they were over it. And yeah, were, yeah, like sort of yeah. fighting fighting back against the critics. Like, is that what you're yeah. trying to say? Like fighting against the, the naysayers? Yeah, because, yeah. you know, maybe for the first time, yeah, you know, it's from I don't know which I don't know which season on was that the the backlash maybe well, started Mike to Sc- set in. Mike Scully took over season t- uh, nine. Mike Scully took over mm-hmm. season nine, um, and people say that sort of season nine was the last good season. When they say golden era, they generally are talking one to nine. Okay. T- some people throw in season ten, but that's when the cliche golden era is usually one to nine or one to ten. Um, but this was sort of this was the very end. I believe this might have even been the last episode of the Scully era. Okay. This episode here, because this is like a carryover from the last season. Um, but he was certainly getting more heat than any other Simpsons yeah. showrunners up to that point. I think it was almost like people had, I think younger viewers had almost grown up and moved on to South Park, 
and they were struggling to hold on to that Quite audience. Quite possibly, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a sense that the uh, once they've hit double figures, you know, this is starting to feel a bit played out. But, you know, previously up until that time, everyone's going, oh, The Simpsons, hilarious. You know, it's it's got heart, but it's got humour. It's got wit. It's got brains. Yeah, we'd really dig it. There's nothing like it, but now there was sudden, suddenly something like yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I, fa- I mean, Family Guy didn't have the heart, and South Park didn't have the heart, but it had that edginess that The Simpsons was so well known mm. for, but now The Simpsons wasn't the edgy one anymore. Yes, yes. So maybe there's um, maybe that was the mood in the, among the creative team, and it sort of bled over into some of the, uh, some of the uh, what appeared on screen. But, you know, I'd be, inter- I'd be interested yeah. to hear everyone else's uh, takes on that. But I really noticed it this episode. It just felt like kind of a little, yeah, a little mean at times. <laughs> I feel like if this was an earlier season episode, I've, I know they had the, 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 you know, the soft ending with Bart saying, oh, no, but they're my parents, they're the only ones that stand by me. But there was nothing leading up to the, throughout the episode that led to that moment. That sort of that, that moment wasn't a payoff for anything because throughout the episode you had Lisa saying, "Look what you've done, Bart. Now, don't you care?" And him going, "No, I'm watching wrestling." Yeah. <laughs> Where in earlier seasons he would have gone, he would have looked over and gone, and he might not have even said anything. But he would have had a look in his face, and there would have been this, the music score underneath where you know in his heart of hearts, "Oh yeah, I've kind of done the wrong thing." And it would have sort of made you realize, "Oh, Bart is starting to turn a corner here," and he wanted to, and him coming clean at the end was like his. I'm finally going to do it moment. It's time I own up to my own mistakes, blah, blah, blah. But here it's just like, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. Oh, no, but you can't do that to my parents. I'm mm. the bad guy. Blah, blah. It's like, where did that come from? The entire episode, you've been a little shit. Yeah, I think you can be sincere without being sappy. The Simpsons has done that plenty of times. But uh, I don't know, this yeah, this didn't feel earned at the very at the very end, this, uh, this uh, baby face turn from Bart. So, uh, yeah, a little unimpressed. But, yeah... Uh, I sound like I'm completely down on the parent rap. I'm not completely down on it. I got, I, yeah, I got a few chuckles out of it, and uh, I certainly didn't dislike it. But uh, yeah, I just there was a, a an undertone to it that I that didn't quite sit well with me. Let's say. Yeah, I did think that uh, Jane. How do you say her last name? Jane from Malcolm I want, Middle. I want to say Casmeric. So, something. Yeah, it'd be something like that. Yeah. Uh, apologies if we're saying it incorrectly, but her as Judge Constant Harm, she was very good in the role. Obviously, a takeoff of Judge Judy, who at the time was still dominating uh, here, Channel Ten, the same channel as The Simpsons. Um, but she was. I mean, she still is the highest-paid daytime television presenter or star, I guess you could say, um, in the world. I, mean, I think she gets like forty to fifty million dollars a year for her show, Judge Judy, and we're we're suckers for it. We love watching it, Nicola and I, <laughs> Judge Judy, from time to time. Back in the day, though, she was a lot more harsher. This this takeoff of Judge Judy here, Judge Constance Harm, is much more how Judge Judy was was in how she sort of portrayed herself in in the year 2000, 2001 era. She was a very mean person, yeah. where she sort of softened a lot now. But um, I think I think Jane did a pretty good job in the role for what she was given. Yeah, I, I must agree, disagree with you on this point, Dan. I wasn't a huge fan of this performance. I didn't think there was much sort of distinguish it. I mean. I don't, I don't know if Jane Kaz, despite Jane Kazmarek having, you know, close to 150 episodes of Malcolm under her belt. By the way, Malcolm's a show that I never really sort of got into. I never really watched it all that much. Same. I've never seen a single yeah, episode. Yeah, so I couldn't tell you if she's hilarious on that or not. But, I mean, looking through her uh, IMDb, I mean, she's pretty much like her co-star on Malcolm, uh, Brian Cranston. She was pretty much just a working actor who, you know, landed a job, turned out to be a sitcom, turned out to be a hit sitcom. So... It, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you've got primo comic chops. It just means that you're 
you know, the right person for the uh, for the gig. Time for my Brian Cranston anecdote, if you don't mind. Okay, go for it. Because when uh, shall, shall, shall I shall I set the alarm? When, when can I wake up? <laughs> <laughs> go for it, man. Go for it. Uh, years ago, when Breaking Bad first started, I uh, got the opportunity to interview Brian Cranston. One of the oh, one wow. of the best interviews I did because he was very open, very enthusiastic about the project, and uh, very candid about his career. And one of the most uh, interesting things, it's one of the most interesting anecdotes that I got out of an actor during my time when I was talking to a lot of them was that um, Cranston had gone for, you know, he was, a, he was a jobbing actor. He, you know, had supporting roles in various things, you know, Seinfeld and all that kind of business. And he figured that was going to be his gig. That was going to, you know, he was going to do commercials, do supporting things, make a living as an actor, not necessarily be a star. And the week that he auditioned for Malcolm in the Middle, he auditioned for another show as well. And I think he was close to getting both. Uh, and then... He didn't get the one that wasn't Malcolm, but he, he was very, very close to getting it. And that show like vanished in, it didn't, it, it, they made a pilot, they didn't pick up the pilot. He did Malcolm, Malcolm went for 150 episodes, made him Brian Cranston, he then got Breaking Bad and, mm. um, you know, became capital letters Brian Cranston. So, you know, I mean, uh, he just said, look, there's so much, you know, you can do all the work you can, you can, you know, be in the right place at the right time, know all the right people, but it honestly just comes down to luck and, um, yeah, I just found I found that very very interesting. So I'm um, look, that's not necessarily relevant to anything other than me just telling a story that I talked to Brian Cranston once. But I mean, getting back to what I initially wanted to say was, yeah, Jane Jane Kasmerick in this is fine, but not especially funny. I don't think. I mean, she's probably doing the best she can with the material and doing a bit of a Judge Judy riff. Maybe that's got something to do with me not liking TV judges in general and probably not liking Judge Judy in particular. The few times I saw her. I mean, I'm just not a fan of, you know, someone, I've just got a thing against positions of authority, I think. I always have. And I don't like the idea of someone, someone sitting on the bench in a position of power and authority over these people. And then, you know, if they've signed up to make a few bucks to be on Judge Judy or to have their legal fees paid or whatever, they're clearly not the sharpest tools in the shed. But to have, you know, these people and their petty crimes and misdemeanors just basically sledged by this woman uh you know making a you know a ton of money out of her bad attitude and her you know snarky quips it just didn't sit well with me so anyway i know i know she's a fan of the dan in the dando she she's got two big fans of the dando household but uh i don't know if having a judge judy marathon maybe don't invite me over because i'd be like can, she's, she's actually not smarmy anymore. She's complete, She's just like an old lady now. I'm she's just. She's actually. She's actually very, very somewhat polite compared to what she's because she used to be a real bitch. As you, she used to scare me when I was a kid, as you pointed <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but still, I'm probably not going to check her out. But uh, I'm just imagining. I'm just imagining long-haired guy from 1991 just being like, "Fuck you! You can't do what you tell me." <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, to, oh, well, to, to quote my favourite uh, bit from this episode, and we're sort of skipping ahead to that, but um, fight, the, fight pa- the power, fight the power, <laughs> <laughs> and the and the and the, uh, the raised black power fist by Homer. That was probably my favourite moment of this episode. There is other, one other one that we will talk about when we get to that part. I think you might not have also liked getting back to Jane's portrayal of Judge Constance Harm. I think you also may have seen her negatively because that's the way the writers wanted you to feel about her. She was portrayed as the evil sort of supervillain in this episode when really, as you were discussing earlier, the episode probably would have benefited from her 
her approach to, you know, making Homer and Bart be tethered together and actually forcing them to be better people, mm-hmm. actually having a positive effect would have been better. But what this episode sums up is that no one ever learns anything in the Simpsons world. Homer never learns anything. There's never any repercussions for Homer. Bart never learns anything because he always gets away with it because Judge Schneider just writes it off as boys will be boys. But if the characters never learn anything, then how can they become better people? You know, and I guess that's... I guess in the the Simpsons universe, it's a case of, well, if they become different people, then that changes the whole dynamic of the show. And I get that. But still, she wasn't the bad person in this. Even though she was... She came across as harsh. She came across as brutish. But still, she was doing what she felt and what was probably the right thing to do because these, this kid is out of control. He's never been held responsible for his actions and it's time someone actually does it. And Homer always allows it to happen as well. And it's time he gets punished for it as well. And for the first time, they're actually being punished. But no, the writers want you to think they shouldn't be punished. It's better if Judge Snyder just lets them get away with it. Well, Dando, you know what it is, mate. It's Frank Grimes syndrome. Hmm. It's 100% Fred yeah. Grimes syndrome. You know, if you, if you bring someone who actually sort of tells it like it is and introduces a bit of um, quote-unquote reality into the Simpsons universe, yeah, they're invariably a killjoy. So, um, yep. yeah, that, that could well be the case here. Hey, my favourite. So what was your favourite moment from the episode, Mr Davis? Oh, look, I'm partial to uh, a bit of public enemy, so anytime anyone says fight the power, particularly if it's a middle-aged white guy like myself, uh, that's <laughs> that's always good fun. Um, and, you know, uh, listeners will also be aware that uh, I'm a big fan of any time Homer does talks like this. So um, I knew this was going to be one of your favourite moments. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, Homer encouraging Bart to... Uh, Yes, do a home run by uh, pump them was, um, yes, a bit of a favourite for yours truly. But how about yours truly, Dando? Well, I'm going to say I got that wrong. I thought it was going to be a different moment. I thought it was going to be, what did she say about cupcakes? (laughs) That was also pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I liked the waitress at Lard Lad Donuts. (laughs) What? (laughs) I only had one line, but she, she sold the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah. It sounded like Tress McNeil. I'm just going to double track. What was her name? Cara, was it? Cora? <laughs> did Cora you, Simpsons? Did you say double Tress? It sounded like you said double Tress. No, uh, Tress McNeil. I know, but it sounded like you said you were going to double Tress, that it was Tress. Oh, oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I may have. We'll soon find out. Her name was Cora and she was played by Tress McNeil. Yes. There we go. I'll, t- I'll tell you go. one thing I did like about that episode. You know how you, know, you go to... Um, Hungry Jack's or or some other burger place, and they'll say, "Hey, guess what? We got bottomless cokes, so you can have all the soda you want." I would like a bottomless donut. I would. Love- mm, it was yeah. filled with that. Uh, they, they say jelly in the states, but obviously we call it jam. A hot jam donut, just mm. constantly filled with jam. Oh, mm, mm, mm. just just slurp that sweet goodness right out of it. Oh. But see, the thing is, when I'm eating a jam donut, once all the jam's gone, I'm like, well, I don't want to eat this anymore. Like, if there's, if, it's gonna have a good jam to dough ratio. Mm. If it's too much donut and not enough jam, they're not good. You need to have jam for the entire consumption of the donut. Otherwise, I'm just eating basically a cinnamon donut. I don't want that. I want jam, you know? Uh, I, I get where you're coming from, but uh, I, I think as with everything in this uh, in this world and this life, you've got to strike the perfect balance. I don't think, you, I don't, I think too much jam can be well, a little overwhelming and a little unwieldy as well. I mean, you take that bite and it spurts out all over the place. You ruin your, you know, your best shirt, or, or you know, your, 
you look like a- Burn your hand. That's the yes. worst part when, it's, yeah. when the jam's too hot and you're like, oh, fuck, now my hand yeah. hurts. Or and now I've got a donut. Like, now I don't want the donut anymore because my hand hurts. Yeah. Or you end up like George Costanza on that episode of Seinfeld. Shout out to Talking Seinfeld, another uh, <laughs> fine show on the uh, Four Finger Discount Network. But you know that episode yeah. where he's eating the, is it an ice cream sundae or a cheeseburger or something, but he's just slopping it and he's on the jumbo cam? You know? <laughs> Yeah, you could you could be like that person, you know. You take a bite of your donut and jam just spurts everywhere. And everyone's like, eh, "This person does. This person can't eat food." You know, I mean, you, you think everyone's laughing at you because you're just a hilarious person, but no, no have shit all over your shirt. Yes, because because you're a clown and a freak. I mean, I, I saw this. There was this uh, thing on doing the rounds on Twitter the other day. Some woman went out on a Tinder date with this guy, and. Mm. Um, he was eating pasta, and quite frankly, he was eating it like an animal. I mean, he was he was holding his fork like he was in prison. He was sort of bent really down close to the bowl and scooping it up into his mouth. And it's like, okay, well, clearly no one's taught this person how to eat their food properly. But she's filming it and then uploads it to Twitter or to something like that. And I thought... Oh, that's a bit harsh. You know what? I think the gentleman who eats like an animal is probably coming out of this better than the person who films that person. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and it's ex- like, ex- why, why are you judging this guy? He's just being himself and having a good time doing it. Yeah, eating like a king, man. <laughs> so, uh- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, although if I, I don't think I could ever eat, you brought up George before when he's eating the Sunday and it's just slopped all over him. I don't think I would eat a Sunday to that extent. <laughs> oh, good. No. <laughs> I mean, it, eating food. Poorly or sloppily, it's 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 room for ridicule. I was I was burned the other night. I was over with the lovely Louise and family. We'd uh, gotten some Mexican, and I'm uh, making my way through a burrito. Oh, no. Burrito, and um, <laughs> look, I, th- I think this might be a sign that I'm actually being liked or accepted by. Wait, Lou- wait, what? 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 Burnt after eating the Mexican? Oh no, 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 no! I I got. <laughs> <laughs> well, it did, but that's another story. But I think this is a sign that I'd been accepted by uh, the lovely Louise's children because uh, her daughter said to me, that burrito's going everywhere. <laughs> and uh, I mean, they were eating theirs quite neatly, but I mean, mine had a little extra in it. And yes, I'd sort of reached the uh, the bottom, let's say, eighth of the burrito. And you know, at that point, they're usually a bit of a shambles and you just kind of shoving yeah, it into your it's mouth. It's just sort of like, it's just like the, the, the bread and just a bit of sloppiness and lettuce. It, it yeah. is, yes. But uh, nonetheless, I still got a, <laughs> you don't eat that burrito well. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> what did Louise do? Should you just laugh at you? Or? <laughs> she said, you better go home. You're not staying here tonight. <laughs> no, no. She, she certainly didn't say that. Um, <laughs> No, I just I shrugged it off. It's like, it's a burrito. What are you going to do? It's not exactly. <laughs> That's where you play. That's it. Go to your room. <laughs> I also, in getting back to my favorite moments, also really enjoyed Homer saying, I don't even know why we have a bottle. Somebody tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I really enjoyed the delivery of Captain McAllister when he Drove past your scurvy dogs when he's before he slapped Marge Noma. Absolutely out of nowhere. Don't know why, but just your scurvy dogs just hit me. Hit a, hit a, hit a good note. I loved it. Indeed. Next question. You there, eating the paste. Trivia for this week, Mr. Davis. I will kick things off if you don't mind. Go right ahead. What song was Homer listening to at the start when he was driving Bart and Milhouse to school? Oh. And who was it by? Now, it's by the fifth dimension. I always thought it was called Marry Me Bill, but apparently it's called something else. 
Apparently it's called Weddings Are Nice. Weddings in, Are Nice. In the Simpsons universe anyway. Yeah. <laughs> let's have a... Okay, again, to Google, let's look that up. Da, 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 fifth Dimension. Come on, Google, don't be so damn slow. Your internet must be shit house at your house, man. Well, because you sometimes can't even watch Disney Plus without it freezing. I'm like, what? I know, man. I mean, um, I do have that. Uh, I've got cable, but Wi-Fi. So, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a mess. Was it Fifth Dimension? Wedding, weddings are nice. Is not a song. Wedding bell blues, weddings, perhaps. W- won't you marry me, Bill? I'll look that up. Uh, it's a parody of a song called Wedding Bell Blues. Ah, uh, there we go. There we have it. So, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My question but, to you. What is the yes, name? first question. What is the name of the police dog uh, accompanying uh, Chief Wiggum on his rounds? Officer Sniffy? Officer Sniffy. Yes. And Wiggum trying to get through to him. Are you there? It's Clancy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that relationship. What is Judge Snyder's first name? Ooh, okay. We were both going to ask that. So, on three. One, two, three. Roy. Roy. <laughs> hey, so the, the second Roy in The Simpsons, the first Roy was the one from the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie show, the, the extra guy that comes into The Simpsons' house. Was that Roy? Oh, it was too, yeah. Was, yeah, it was Roy. Yeah, okay, then. All right, um, so am I going to ask you a question now? Yeah, you asked you ask me a, another one. Okay, then fine. What size did Homer claim to be when he was uh, having the tether put on? Fuck, that's my next question. Four. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Dude, we're starting to finish other finish each other's uh, sandwiches. I mean, sentences. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and sandwiches too, depending if we're yeah. eating together or not. Yeah, very, very good uh, point. Okay, you go then. Hit me okay. with a question. Let me tell me. Let's hope this isn't your next question or one of your next questions. What is the judge's address? Uh, it is One Ocean View Drive. Correct. Now, now, I I wouldn't have normally remembered that, but I had the feeling. Dan is going to ask that as a question. I reckon he's going to ask that as a trivia question, so I wrote it down especially. Oh, mm-hmm. we're, inside each other. we're inside <laughs> each other's heads, man. We are indeed. Um, okay. So what's your final question? How much did Homer's pants cost? Oh, see, the, the funny thing is, I was going to have that as a question. I thought that's one guy's going to pick. So I wrote, <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote that down here as my backup. It's $600. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, welcome to the Mind Meld uh, show with Dando and Guy. Goodness me. I did like that though. Yeah, I robbed now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I robbed now. (laughs) Alrighty, guys, that is trivia for this week. We'll be right back with our review of The Parent Rat right after this. A short break. Four Finger Discount is brought to you by our incredible $20 patrons. Yes, Mr. Jordan, Moleman, Richie, old Nick Barbaro, our beloved Andrew Zer, Christopher Darby, Chris Malion. Will Manthorpe, the list goes on. Ben Smith, Noah Daniel, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Josh the Clipperhead, Sean Davey, Keith Nedham, our resident baker, Sam Bennett, Timothy Belson, Brandon Twitchell, Nick James, Bitch, Cal McDonald, Shannon Hofer, Nicole Catalina Wine Mixer, over in the UK, George McMenemy, Mr. Community himself, Zach Pruitt, the lovable Jonathan Rossi, Mr. Adam Sanderson, Stephen Roberts, Seth Weens, and Daniel Kotnick, who sounds like a sonic villain. Also, shout-outs to our new $5-plus patrons this week. We've got Stephen Campbell and Nicole Colin. Thank you so much, guys. Don't forget, if you want more four-finger discount in your ears each and every month, you can do so for as little as $1 per month by signing up to be a four-finger discount patron at patreon.com slash four-finger discount. But for now, enjoy our review of The Parent Rap. 
The original air date of the parent rat was November 11, 2001. The chopboard gag, as Guy mentioned before, is nobody reads these anymore, which I didn't mind. I actually thought it was quite funny. But I do understand your point of view when you're saying that. It's a bit of cynicism there, them sort of saying, why do we have to keep doing this? We don't want to keep doing this. You don't read them anymore. We don't care. And it sort of does come across that way now that you point that out. Yeah. Uh, and the couch gag was one that I thought was one of the better couch gags in recent times, the family jumping out of the uh, the ship painting on the wall. Mm. Yeah, Very I thought that was a pretty cool one myself, it. yeah. And uh, look, I don't get me wrong, I also did like the board gag. I thought that was actually pretty funny, but it's just not the, I guess it's not the sense of humour that I normally associate with The Simpsons. Mm, but I guess that this, is, this was sort of an era of the shift in the comedy. I mean, by this point here, this is what where Scully handed it back over to Al Jean and... I don't know. I, I, I've been told by a few people that season 13 is actually better than season 12 because Al Jean, he was one of the original showrunners on the show, Al Jean, mm-hmm. with Mike Reese. Mike Reese, an absolute gem of this world. Um, and Al Jean is still the showrunner to this day. So Al Jean took over now, season 13, and we're now at season 32, and he's still the showrunner. So mm-hmm. he's overseen the majority of The Simpsons. I put full faith in Al Jean's, um, in his wisdom. I know there's been some downward trends of The Simpsons and ups and downs. But the, I think on the overall, the guy knows what he's doing, and he does have The Simpsons' best interest at heart. So I've um, got full uh, full faith that uh, season thirteen is going to be a good one. But uh, you are right; I do think this was a shift in. I think The Simpsons is trying to appeal to a more modern audience. They sort of realise at this point we probably can't keep doing what we were doing. People have changed. The whole dynamic of comedy changed. I feel like in the late nineties, don't you? I mean, things like when things like South Park and whatnot came along, there was. And like even like pro wrestling was big in the late 90s. There was this real teenage... I mean, I was walking around saying suck it to people, not really knowing what suck it meant, but mm. the wrestlers were saying suck it on TV and it was just this this dynamic of... It's sort of like, you know, early 90s it was grunge and in the late 90s it was just this attitude, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was um, it was a bit extreme, as they say. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every, every, little kids... It felt like little kids... When you're like sort of seven and eight, you started behaving like a teenager. Well, I'm not too sure. In the early 90s, was it sort of like that? I just remember when you were sort of in grade six, you sort of were really behaving like a little shit a lot of the time. And that's because <laughs> that's what all the cool kids were doing. What, what was it like in the early 90s, early 80s? Were, were kids like that or was it, or did you, do you, did you sense a change in the, the early 2000s, late 90s? I, look, I, I sense a change certainly in, um, in the early 90s. I mean, there was the, you know, sort of, there was grunge and there were riot girls and it was, you know, it wasn't necessarily, oh man, everything sucks, fuck the world and all that kind of business. There was a bit of that, but um, yeah. That, but you still, that, had that, your, you still had your shows like Full House and the Cosby Show and things, you know? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, from, I'd say it felt like 96 or 97 onwards. Yep. Yeah, there, were, there was that whole kind of, as I said, extreme, there was attitude, it was kind of, it seemed like everyone, a lot of popular culture was kind of striking a pose and, you know, hey man, I'm not going to do what you tell me kind of stuff. I mean, and it didn't feel quite as, it felt more like a pose than the early 90s did. Now, I don't know, I mean, this, this was a while ago, I'm, I could be mistaking mm, it incorrectly, mm, but, yeah. but that, that's certainly the way it felt to me. And that, that and that bled through into the um, certainly in the early two in the part of the early two thousands. So the episode kicks off with Homer driving the boys to school. They've missed the school bus. Um, Bill and Marty, 
on the radio, always get a kick out of Bill and Marty. They do. They always do a good job <laughs> of just taking the piss out of radio hosts, just push, pushing the random sound effect buttons and whatnot. And they mentioned here mm. that if the Wampum Wagon sees your car with the little penguin in the window, you'll win yourself $40. <laughs> now, did you ever do this? Because I distinctly remember when we used to, mum used to drive us to school, I went to Geelong High here down near the waterfront in Geelong. And mum used to drive us to school every morning before she went to work. And she used to always listen to Bay FM on the way to on the way to school. Always Bay FM. Mm. And they said like the Bay FM car driving around. And sometimes if you know, we'd always listen to see where it was. And if it was nearby on the way to school, Mum would always drive there and you'd always get things like fucking big M's and cakes <laughs> and shit like that. And like I reckon like maybe once every fortnight we'd find the car. And I get like a fucking big big M to, big M to take to school. It was the best. Did, like, did you ever try and chase around the the radio station cars? But not uh, in the mornings. But like, did you ever like try and did you get sucked into like radio contests in any way? I never did anything like that. No, I nothing never, like that. Okay, no. yeah. <laughs> but I, w- I I do agree with you that um, yeah, Bill and Marty and this the whole thing with KBBL, even down to the name K Babble. You know, I mean, mm. it's uh, it's such a wonderful piss take of um, inane sort of. Um, you know, breakfast radio and Black Thunders and, you know, morning crews and morning zoos and all that shit. I mean, um, Dude, yeah, fuck, whole- I've never, I've never actually realized the K Babel aspect to it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it pointed out anywhere before. You know, like, yeah, the wampum wagon and, you know, what, what's the penguin thing again? The, oh, the prize, the, the, the prize, is, yeah. the prize penguin or whatever. I mean, it's just yeah. so, it's, it's re- such a it- homer thing to do, though, to be, to be, have the penguin, isn't it? It's, it's, oh, absolutely! It's totally suits yeah. his character. Oh, yeah. the, you, the impulse you, of him, yeah. You know that Homer would be, you know, calling the cash cow on sunrise. Mm. <laughs> well, how, how many times he, he's entered numerous radio contests? Remember, this things I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'd love to see Homer go up against the cash cow. I reckon that'd just be the funniest thing ever. Um, <laughs> and I will say that you know, just getting forty dollars is low rent, even by KBBL standards. 40 yeah, bucks. Definitely. Come on, go triple figures at least. Uh, so he kicks the boys out, which I thought was great. Um, they then see, or we, we cut to Wiggum eating his jelly slash jam donut at Lard Lad Donuts. I, I, want to be, want, I want to say that I think this is the first time, besides Treehouse of Horror, that we've actually gone inside Lard Lad Donuts. Now, I could be wrong, and I'm sure if I am, the listeners will let me know very harshly. Now, call me names. Because that's what they like to do. They don't really. I'm joking. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure this is the first time we've visited Lad Lad Donuts since Attack of the 50-Foot Eyesores uh, in Treehouse of Horror 6. And I, if I'm wrong, let me know, guys. But I'm pretty sure this is the first time. But yes, as I mentioned, I did get a big kick out of uh, Cora. Hey, Cora. I-, I heard science is working on a donut that actually burns off calories. Uh, how's that going? What? Ah, never mind. Uh, just refill this with jelly, will you? Thanks, you're an angel. What? So what do you think of Cora? I like Cora fine. I like the refillable donut even more. Yes, definitely. <laughs> uh, the boys approach and they see the cruiser. Even when when Wiggum's saying, hey, my car's being stolen. What? <laughs> <laughs> also, when they're looking through the car, it's almost like they're discussing an action figure, aren't they? You know, complete with taser and hat with rain baggy. <laughs> I just like that they had the uh, the Miranda Rice teleprompter. Yeah, yeah, that was very good. And the, the, the callback to it in a few moments as well, which is good. Mm. But then they get in the car and they make Flanders hula out of his pants. I got a kick out of Harry 
ha- uh, acting out Flanders like humming the hula. I've got to say, at his pants. Pretty very impressive moves by Ned. Ned's hips don't lie. Oh, they <laughs> don't at all. Ned, Ned is a sexy man when he wants to be, that's for sure. Oh, goodness, yes. <laughs> so, Officer Sniffy is now in the car, they've realised, which I did get a kick out of Officer, Officer Sniffy in a few moments as well. well. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. They accidentally put it in drive because they're scared and the car is driving away. They nearly crash into soup. So, when they're nearly crashing into the soup, Officer <laughs> Sniffy almost becomes like Scooby-Doo, doesn't he? He's just oh, like, yeah. The promising young athletes, and this is why you're so promising now. Here is how you buy a trophy. <laughs> misses all the athletes, they all get out of the way, and then the bum Take- gets his recognition finally. They cartwheel out of the way, don't forget, or they do a, a very nice, a very nice tumble turn over the uh, over the uh, camp table or whatever. But uh, yeah, some fine. very promising moves. Yes, they're, they're very promising. They are indeed. They eventually crash the car. Wiggum arrests them, but he's not quite sure what to say, so he looks at the teleprompter. Indeed, to read their Miranda rights. By the way, I, I don't, I've never actually looked this person up, but apparently there's a porn star named Miranda Rights. I think that's just the best name ever. <laughs> I will look this up right now. Miranda <laughs> Rights. All righty. Miranda Rights images. There is nothing. Is it spelled R-I-G-H-T-S? Oh, maybe it's spelled something different. Or maybe, uh, or maybe I just made it up. I don't know. Oh no, no, I found it. Miranda writes R I W R I, as in like writing a word. Yep. Oh, okay. Okay, don't don't Google that at work, people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So moving along swiftly. So yeah, Wiggum's looked at the teleprompter. Oh, <laughs> Dad is like moving on swiftly. <laughs> the family are all walking into court, and they realise this is the only <laughs> sort of family time they get these days. Is going Indeed. to court together. One thing I didn't understand about this episode, maybe I'm silly for thinking this, but would Marge and Homer be tried at juvenile court? Would Mar- what, what? Why were they always going to juvenile court, even when it was just Marge and Homer? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean- uh, oh, she, She's a juvie judge. Yeah, well, she, she, yeah. She's at the juvenile court, so why were Marge and Homer going to the juvenile court? That's a good point. Maybe, oh, maybe she's power's gone to her head. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. One other neat, neat visual gag that I did like is the uh, the mini scales of justice outside the um, outside the juvenile court. You know, mm. you've got, you've normally got the uh, the lady with the blindfold and the scales of justice, and this time you got a little girl holding a, a mini scales. I thought it was good. I thought it was funny. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure we've seen that statue before, but yes, I always get a kick out of it. So <laughs> Millhouse pleads to to slip through the cracks. He's so pathetic, isn't he, Milhouse? <laughs> I got a soft spot for the for the little dude. Yes. For him, for him and for Kurt, in all honesty. I think we can all relate to Milhouse in a way because we all are, we all are insecure in our own little ways. So that that little insecurity in ourselves is like our inner Milhouse, isn't it? Indeed. Second name drop for this episode, if you don't mind, Dando. Okay. Um, a, around the time that I interviewed uh, Brian Cranston, I also interviewed a chap named Kurt Van Houten. I did not. <laughs> I did not. Although he is, he still remains atop my wish list. Um, I interviewed a chap named Matthew Weiner or Weiner, <laughs> Weiner, um, but the creator of Mad Men, um, and did say to him, "Look, I, I'd like to think that I'm Don Draper, but I think I'm really Pete." He goes, "We're all really Pete." <laughs> I think you've actually told me that joke before. I, I told me that comment before, maybe when I was at work. But yeah, it's it's true. We are all Pete inside, aren't we? We all, we yeah. all are insecure. Yeah, we all indeed are. So yes, there's a lot more Kirk Van Houten or Millhouse or 
I don't know who are the who are the female nerds on on the Simpsons apart from well Lisa. Well, Lisa, well, Lisa Lisa's insecure in her own ways because people make her feel insecure, um, but she's not insecure in Millhouse in a Millhouse kind of way. Insecure females in the show. I actually think most of the females on the Simpsons are portrayed in a rather not always strong, but at least uh, they they're usually what's quite. What I'm looking for. They always dignified. Yeah, dignified is the right word because I think it's sort of. Usually in the real in the in the real world, it's usually the males who are the morons. You know what I mean? I know, and that's no offense to males out there. I am one, but usually, I mean, I think there's more comedy in a male being a buffoon than a female. Yeah, I mean, even Mrs. K. I mean, you know, she's you know unlucky in love and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, she's yeah, you know, <laughs> she's getting out there. She's chopping it up in the scene. She can still hold her own, and even as Sasha Bob says, "You only get one chance with Edna Krabappel." You know? <laughs> so yes, the walking into to the court and yeah, Milhouse is pleading his case. He gets off because Judge Schneider is just a, a real softy, yes. and he is about to let Bart off as well. Bart thinks he's about to get away, but then it's time for his vacation to begin, and this is where we uh, have Judge Constance Harm enter the equation. Mm-hmm. And right off the right off the top, she's just a real hard ass, isn't she? Very much so. It's away with the clown and down with the guillotine. All rise for the Honourable Judge Constance Harm. (gasps) Silence in my courtroom. Grand Theft Auto? It was an accident, ma'am. Don't spit on my cupcake and tell me it's frosting. What did she say about cupcakes? According to this, your father was driving you to school? Then where was he when you stole the police car? Um, Your Honor, I was chasing the KBBL Party Penguin Prize Patrol. You abandoned your son to win $40? And a Blue Oyster Cult medallion. Cool. And that was more important than keeping your son out of trouble? Your Honor, if I may sing a little bit of Don't Fear the Reaper, I think you'll agree that... I'm familiar with BOC, but you have got a boy here who is crying out for adult supervision. I couldn't agree more. Perhaps some sort of court-appointed babysitter or au pair. Sorry, Bob. That crow won't caw. It won't. I hereby order you to be tethered to your son. Tethered? Tethered. Report to room five. Room five? Apparently, Blue Oyster Cult were big fans of them being mentioned in this episode. (laughs) So I heard. Yeah. So um, they did get a a fair shout-out, actually. They did, yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, so as as you just heard, she has ordered Homer to be tethered to Bart. I did get kicked out of the room five. <laughs> Look, it makes me think, what's gone down in room five in the past? Oh, God. So we come back from commercial and the family are all arriving at home. And Lisa's explaining that, you know, creative sentencing is a, is a thing these days. That's why Bill Clinton is now a mailman. That was going to be one of my trivia questions. What was he struggling to get into the letterbox? Oh, magazines. Magazines, that's right. Marge says that uh, to Bart, make sure you get home to take his medication. This is one of the two moments that I really didn't like in this episode. So the first one that I mentioned earlier was Homer trying to kill the judge. The second was this, where Homer says something along the lines of, I'll medicate you. And then she throws the drugs in his mouth. I just don't find that funny. I don't know. And it's just very off-putting to me. As you know, I've I've grown up with these characters and for, for them to, to throw in jokes like that, that are so unlike the character... And we've had no mention of Homer having to take medication in the past and all this kind of thing. And just having, basically they're saying that if Homer doesn't take his medication, he will threaten to 
physically abuse Marge. I didn't like that. Maybe I'm just looking way too much into it, but Homer threatening Marge, I did not think was a good decision. I think it's out of character. And I think if you're going to have Homer threatening anyone or even abusing anyone, it should be Bart, who we know is kind of resilient and... uh, yeah, let, let, let's face it, probably deserves it half the time. Um, but yes, to have him seemingly threaten Marge just for the yeah for the sake of a uh, a, a very quick throwaway gag. Mm, I'm yeah, I'm not as uh, upset about it as you are, but still, it does speak to yeah a bit of sloppy writing on the start on the uh, part of this episode. We're now at the school, and as a result of Homer being tethered to Bart, he has to sit in the classroom. I do always enjoy a good boring from Dan. Boring! <laughs> Homer keeps interrupting, so she, Mrs. K tells him to go to sleep, and this is where he has some night terrors. Another good callback later in the episode to the, to the Cobras. Do you say Cobra or Cobra? Um, I tend to say Cobra, I think. I think I say Cobra. Yeah, I don't know. It's not. So it's not. It's not a word I tomato. say out loud all that. Uh, all that often. I've got to say. How do you, so, so, just think of think of the snake, King Cobra? Say it. What, what would you say? King Cobra. You say King Cobra. Okay. Yeah. So I say King Cobra. Yeah. It's funny mm. how we just decide how we're going to pronounce words, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, clearly, we can. Uh, well, <laughs> this is the beginning of the end, Dando. We were getting along so well early in the episode, but uh, yeah, there was just the, the, the roots of the- Some people are cobras, some people are cobras. <laughs> some people, you say potato, I say spud. We're now at the baseball game, and Bart has to drag Homer across the entire diamond in order to get the home run and get to home plate. This, I thought, was absolutely brutal. I don't like it when they show the result of violence like this on The Simpsons, where it's all bloodied up. There has been probably a handful of moments in The Simpsons that have actually grossed me out, and this was one of them where I went, "Ugh, that was that took me aback," you know. Oh, cl- clearly my nerve endings are just sort of sanded down to uh, the point of insensitivity because eh, it didn't really worry me at all. I got to say, I mean, eh. really, his whole face was covered in blood. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, um, I'm trying to think of times on The Simpsons when physical injuries or whatever have, yeah, really sort of done a number on me. What about Homer getting his thumb cut off? Remember that? Trilogy of Error? Oh, there was that. True. I the blood squirting out. Mm, I'm thinking about the things that really sort of give me the... And usually, and I'm pretty sure I've said this on the episode, uh, on, an, on a previous episode, it's something to do with fingernails. Anything with fingernails. Mm-hmm. Fingernail trauma always just, you know, gives puts me the gives me the right chill up the spine. So, uh, yeah. I, yeah. But um, I don't know, Homer being all bloodied and beaten up, you know, whether he's sort of falling down a canyon or being dragged around a baseball diamond, eh, it doesn't really worry me all that much. Then he has some more night terrors with cobras, as <laughs> Guy Davis would say. We're now at the power plant. And this is what I was hinting at at the start where... <laughs> I think that's as Dando would say. I say cobra, you say cobra. No, no, no. I say Cobra, you say Cobra. You were just you would just explain that you say King Cobra. I said King Cobra. No, you said Cobra. Are you sure? Okay. We, are, we have this on recording. You said Cobra and I said Cobra. Oh, I'm on the record. Okay, then. Hmm. <laughs> this is what I mean. That's what, like, we don't know how we say the word. You literally, two minutes ago, in your brain, thought that you said Cobra, but now you think that you say Cobra. It's bizarre. And you, and you say Cobra. I say Cobra. And I say cobra. That's what you said, yes. Okay, then. All right. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. 
<laughs> Do we need to play the tape back? Or <laughs> um, but anyway, so we're at the power plant, and this is what I was hinting at the start. Like I was saying that uh, Homer is enjoying working at night because you know more spend more time with Bar, and this is the kind of stuff I think the episode could have benefited from. But having more of this, it took me back to the episode when Homer was working nights for Bart on the road when Bart goes on a road trip with Martin Milhouse and Nelson and Lisa is doing like the go to work with your dad day kind of thing or whatever and she's working nights with Homer because Mm. they need someone to work overnight and those two characters really bonded throughout that episode as a result I think they could they this episode would have been a lot better if they had shown Bart and Homer bonding a lot more and this is the kind of stuff that I these are the kind of moments that I really liked in this episode so they're sitting on top of the um what are those things called at the power plant the big fume Tunnel things. Yeah. What are they called? The fume tunnel things? <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure they're called cobras. <laughs> I, I want to say I want to say reactors, but... Um, Probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, whatever they are. The, the, the two big things that you define the power plant as. Bart and Homer sitting on top there. And Bart's asking questions like, will there always be enough electricity? That's none of your business. Homer then sees the, the, the steeple... And he thinks it's his house, uh, but it's not. And this is where Homer says something along the lines of, yeah, I forget things sometimes. But still, it's it's a bit corny, but I think this episode would have been a lot better if we had more corniness and sort of bonding between Bart and Homer. Honestly, I, th- I think it's a, a rock-solid foundation for a half-hour episode of just... Bart and Homer it, yeah, it, yeah, it's it's a punishment that, you know, they think they're going to hate that they come to love. And then That's how, how much better would that ending have been if they actually learnt a lesson? Yeah. I guess it, they didn't even have to learn a lesson. They could have just at least learned to understand each other a bit more yeah. and gone, oh, we, you know, like they realised that it yeah. wasn't... That it, they don't have to like the judge, but they sort of understand that, oh, as a result of doing this, we became better people. Well, yeah. I mean, they initially hate it. They begin to love it. Um, and then, I don't know, <laughs> you find some humorous way to resolve it. I don't know, man. I don't work in the Simpsons, right? I mean, well, there, there was a, there was an episode where where um, uh, Bart becomes the hall monitor, right? And Skinner and Bart become best friends. You know, yes. you know, enemies that become friends. And at the end, Bart has to sacrifice himself to save Lisa. So they sort of they sort of end the relationship there, but they still have that mutual what's the word, that bond, that respect for each other. But as they're walking away, they realise that they've both put a note on each other's back that says, like, kick me or whatever as they're -hmm. they're walking away. So it's like they have that respect, but there's still that little, like, you know... Adversarial, uh, yes. uh, Yeah, they they can still go return to that sort of in the next episode. They can still return to them not hating each other in the next episode, but still be antagonistic towards each other. But still, uh, there is that mutual respect there between the two. And that's what this episode could have been like. You could have had an ending like that here, I think. Yes, a return to the status quo, but, you know, a a slight movement of the needle. Yeah, I get that An acknowledgement of I understand you more between the two. Very good point. so they're now walking with ice cream. We get another moment like this here. So Homer says, oh, you like skateboards? And, <laughs> and he's sort of pointing out that, you know, oh, spending more time with you has made me realize I've, I've learned so much more about you. And uh, 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 I really thought, by this point I had in my notes, I'm really digging this bo- Homer bonding story here because I forgot where it went. And then it just falls off a cliff in a few moments. It doesn't fall off a cliff, but it sort of goes downhill in a few moments. But they collide heads, so he goes to Moe's. He got um, Mogi's in the beer because he hurt his head. The the whole uh, we can't have kids in here because we've had hedonists since the Bush girls scandal. What what's that referring to? I know it's obviously George Bush's girls, but what yeah, was the what was the scandal? 
I think oh, there wasn't really a scandal as such. I think they were just um, I think were underage drinking or something were they? Or I think they just started college or something like that, and um, it's like oh wow, they're you know young American girls probably going to get up to mischief or something along those lines. And they I don't think they really did, but uh, you know they were sort of young blonde, close to drinking age. So I think the media was kind of like oh, what are these kids going to get up to? And I think the yeah the thing was they didn't really. I did think it was a funny, a funny cut though. So you think Homer's going to walk away going, all right, well I can't make if Bart can't be here, then I best I get bet, I guess I better go. Cuts to Bart outside in the dark waiting for him. <laughs> <laughs> I hit my head, Mo. One beer coming up. Hey, hey, no kids in a bar. Since when? Oh, the heat's been on since them Bush girls were in here. All right, all right. Come on, Bart. I'm cold and scared. That's my little slugger. Come on, Dad, let's go. Hey, knock it off. These pants cost $600. Really? Yeah, they're Italian. All right, hand them over. Mo, what the... Yeah, I rob now. It's very Mo, isn't it? Very Mo. Yeah, because, well... uh... Let's face it, I'd probably pull a knife on someone for $600 slacks. Now we get the news report of Judge Constance Harm's... I find that name hard to say. Judge Constance Harm. It's a tongue twister for me. I don't know yeah, why. It just I think, is. Judge yeah. Constance Harm. Judge Constance Harm. I think... Um, yeah. who, who's the writer of this episode? They cho- But they chose the name because uh, they always thought Constance sounded like a scary name. Yeah, so the writer was, I'm pretty sure... Wasn't it Al Jean? Let me have a look. The writer was no George Meyer, and Mike Scully. I knew it was a showrunner. Yeah, Mike Scully and George Meyer, uh, George Meyer. I think it was George Meyer that named her. I remember reading that. Anyway, so there's a new support explaining how she's coming down. It's time to take control. It's the parents' fault, not necessarily the kids. It's time for the parents to be punished and held be held accountable for their for the child's actions. And Marge, I think this is this is maybe what I didn't like about the last half. I never like it when they make Marge a bitter, angry person with angst i mean she can at times have it and it can can come across as natural sometimes when the family are just too overwhelming for her and she just has like mm-hmm. a an outburst but for her to i think it was a line later in the episode where she says we hate her homer i'm like oh, it just didn't it didn't sound like a very marge word to use the word hate if that makes any sense it does didn't she call her a butthole at some stage she calls her a butthole at one point and stuff like that that's just sort of come i thought this is a very Marge, the, the mm. way she's reacting to things. But um, but anyway, so yes, yeah, so the news reports explaining or has judge the judge on there explaining that she's going to be cracking down on the parents. Marge says that uh, you can tell she's never had kids. Her breasts are so firm. <laughs> Lisa then mentions how Bart is improving at school and he'd probably be getting doing a lot better if Homer could control his night terrors. Then Bart wants to go to the toilet and Homer doesn't want to get up, so he says, you know, just use his bottle. But Marge makes him. Go to the toilet with Bart and we get the, 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 the bottle moment that I mentioned earlier. Come on, Dad. I got to go to the bathroom. Oh, I just got comfortable. Use the bottle. No. I don't want you going in a bottle. That's what hobos do. Come on, Homer. No. Mom. Oh, jeez. Homer, just take him to the bathroom. Fine. I don't know why we even have a bottle. Somebody tell me. So much slander against hobos. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Marge and Homer, this was another awkward moment to me. I didn't know how to feel about it. <laughs> I just don't... Marge and Homer are about to do it with Bart in the room doing his homework. And I sort of wrote here, 
Marge would never be cool with this or even attempt this. Don't you feel that way? <laughs> like I get it for comedy reasons, but I just feel like it did feel like it was stretching this, this, this the episode, brand. Marge was just not acting like Marge at all. Like Marge would never at any point think, "Yeah, let's give it a crack." Yes, we we all know that Homer is indeed sexual catnip, and uh, you know is is very very hard to resist. But uh, yeah, I get the feeling she would probably call time on uh, on any mattress action. Um, yeah, while Bart is. <laughs> certainly in the room so yes pushing the bounds of credibility a little bit that one I guess even Homer to an extent I mean how many times have we seen the kids walking on the on the parents doing it or, or about to do it and they both squeal I mean if there was even that, that episode where they go to the uh, to the motel or whatever and the wait the, the maid walks in Homer gets the teacups and puts it over his nipples like even <laughs> Homer's usually against doing it in front of anybody mm. so I'm just sort of thought it's just I don't know the whole Let's try and do it in front of our 10-year-old child. Just, I don't know. I, I don't think I needed it. <laughs> Nobody needed but, it, Dando. <laughs> but they needed something, I guess, to push the judge over the line to force the punishment upon Marge and Homer instead of just Bart. But I did love that. So, they make each other slap. Just Marge walking off going, that's it. I'm sleeping in the bathtub. And <laughs> Bart, Bart starts whipping Homer. And I thought Dan really acted well when he said that really hurt. Like He actually came across like someone who was in genuine pain. <laughs> i got to say, though, I mean, um, I don't know. Maybe this is me being a bit uh, finicky or whatever. Mm. It seemed like that... The, that slap fight could have been a little more visually imaginative. It just seemed kind of, I don't know, a bit dull. In, in bit, what way do you think? Like, oh, just it wasn't wasn't uh, funny, funny oh, visually, just, or yeah, oh, just having the um, just, like just, sort, of, just sort of having having it in a single two shot like that. I mean, you could have had you know some interesting close ups or angles or whatever. But, yeah. Uh, so, so you sort of think that more the directing side of things. Yes. Yes, that's what I meant. Yeah, I, I can see your point. So uh, Marge bursts in with the knife. I loved the scream as well, but just <laughs> like, <laughs> as as you would imagine, as if someone walks in with a knife, but she cuts the tether. The judge comes through with the power of fiber optics, and this is where we get the Hemingway moment. And yeah, I don't like it when they make jokes and then waste two seconds to have the character sort of look away, going, "Yeah, I don't know what she's talking about." And I'm thinking. The Simpsons never used to do this. The Simpsons doesn't need to do this. Can we not do this again, please? Um, Marge admits that it was her. She gets, you know, you threatening me with that knife. Now, Homer reveals here, look, I was pushing my wife into having sex in front of my son. And this is the, this is the thing, right? If you're writing this episode and you write that line and then you go, oh, you're right. We were just writing Homer and Marge about to have sex or writing Homer trying to pressure Marge into having sex in front of Bart. Maybe we shouldn't have had that. Maybe maybe it was worth it just for that line because, I mean, I did like Homer trying to put as rational a spin on everything as possible. It's like, yeah, I was just trying to pressure my wife into having sex with me in front of our 10-year-old son. Like, it's like, you know, I've got a perfectly good explanation for why we've cut this cord and this is where it all begins. I mean... Look, from a real, a real world standpoint, yeah, it's kind of gross. Um, from uh, a Simpsons standpoint, I can sort of roll with it. Okay. Agree to disagree. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the judge, uh, she makes them both admit, they're both back at the courthouse. She makes them both admit that they're bad parents, or she wants them to anyway. Marge, she will not admit it at all. She calls her a bully. It's very similar to the Bart versus Australia 
uh, episode here where Marge thinks she's getting through to the person, but she's just not at all. <laughs> so she's just, I did like it. So when she says to the to the judge, you're a bully, Homer's, your honor, I'd like to be tried separately. <laughs> and the, and we have the judge thinking about it. You think she's going to uh, work with Marge here and, and change her opinion, but no, it cuts to them in the, the old-fashioned wooden stocks. Mm. And this is where we get, as you said before, this is where we get Marge calling her a butthole. We come to Act 3, and they're trying to do the dishes. I, I think, I mean, I could believe the tethering, but the whole stocks, I just thought, ugh, this, like, this would never happen. And it just didn't really add much in the, in, the, in the way of comedy. You know what I mean? It just felt, it took me out of the moment. It took away the only part that I was enjoying about this episode was the Bart and Homer dynamic. I just mm-hmm. sort of thought, ah, here we go. So this is where the episode sort of fell down for me. So they're trying to do the dishes. And I did notice here when Homer was sort of wiping the cloths, trying to dry the dishes, it almost looked like it was 3D animation. But obviously, the Simpsons were still hand-drawn at this point. But I just think whoever animated that did a fantastic job. It looked really smooth. It looked great. It did. You're right. Um, Bart uh, does not want to help Marge and Homer. I've got here. So Lisa is pointing out to Bart, you know, Look what you've done. Look what look what look at poor mum and dad trying to do dishes. Why aren't you helping them? And I'm sort of thinking, but you're not helping them either. <laughs> it, like it's it's I know it's not your fault, but you're still making them do all the hard work. Um but anyway, so they they're struggling to do the dishes. Bart's too busy watching wrestling and he just doesn't care. So this is the <laughs> moments where Bart should have been realizing, oh yeah, maybe I have been a bit of a shithead and maybe I need to change my ways. But no, we don't get any of that. No, we no, we get Marge. He just okay. says, after wrestling, the way that Dando often does at his house. That's exactly right. Thursday nights is wrestling night at Dando household, AEW wrestling. Don't don't call me. Don't talk to me. It's my night. <laughs> <laughs> we then get Marge and Homer getting spanked from the cars. Haven't we been humiliated enough? Not yet, no. Today the judge wants you to bend over so people can spank you from their cars. Well, that explains the sign. Yeah. Ha. Ooh, here comes the car. No extension cords. I remember that being on the commercial for this episode and it still gets a good chuckle out of me to this day. (laughs) (laughs) Just the sound effect. Homer then tells Marge to just just lie about being a bad parent and we'll get out of these stocks. I mean, it's not that big of an ass. Just lie and we'll get away with it. But Marge just can't do it. It's It's the... the, the the moral of it all is the point. Like I, I want to prove that I'm not a bad parent. She asks Homer to stand by her. Eventually, he realizes, yep, it's time we stand up to this judge. Even though the judge is probably doing the right thing, she's got a bit extreme with the wooden stocks, but she's just oh. trying to get through to them that you need to be more stricter with 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 Bart and get him on, get him back on the on the right track. But anyway, so Homer decides he's going to stand by Marge, but they need to get out of these stocks first. So they go to the Flanders to use some power tools. Uh, nearly kills Marge in the process, cuts her hair like a giant wave and says, surfs up and whatnot. <laughs> Flanders is a bit in two minds about having the Simpsons use his uh, use his tools to, to break the law, but unknowingly he helps them get out by, bur- they use his candle to burn the wood and they escape. <laughs> we then see Marge and Homer get off the bus in their burglar outfits. I did like this. So they explain why they randomly have burglar <laughs> outfits. <laughs> So they hide them from the costume shop. They then see the milkman. This didn't go anywhere, but it's just, it's very Homer to be distracted. Maybe I'll be a milkman. <laughs> I sort of thought, would being a milkman, I mean, it's not a thing anymore. The milkman's a, a, a dead 
occupation now. But do you think being the milkman would have been like the job to have or a good job to have in, like, say, the 60s or 70s? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, drive around delivering bottles of cold milk to various households and things like that. I mean, I don't know about 60s and 70s, maybe sort of mid-century more than anything else, but... Uh, did was it not, not milkmans in the sixties and seventies? Or there was still milkmans around I'm, back in. I'm pretty sure they probably did have them in the seventies. I got I got very very vague childhood memories of um, like people leaving uh, little um, little wire containers out there uh, at the front of their house, and you know they'd hmm. get a, like a bottle of milk or two put in there. I guess it was still happening. I mean, uh, until sort of mid to late twentieth century, but. Uh, yeah, I don't think um, I don't think milkman is actually a growth industry these days, unfortunately. No, not at all. One thing I do remember still it was happening, maybe up until like the mid nineties. I sort of I still remember it when I was a a, a a child. So when I was a teenager, I think it was done. But do you remember? I want to say it was called Noddy's soft drink in Geelong. Noddy's. Do you remember Noddy's? Soft oh yeah, drink Noddy's. In yeah, it was Geelong's own soft drink. Yeah, the fuck. I, I'm I'm glad it was a thing. I was, like, for some reason, it just came to me when I was thinking of the milkman being de- the milk being delivered. But I'm certain Noddy soft drink used to get delivered to people's houses, right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I, I certainly remember Noddy soft drink. I don't know about the uh, about the delivery aspect, although that that does make sense. Uh, but yeah, I remember, just- my gr- I remember my great nan, my uncle Jock, my uncle Ned used to always have Noddy soft drink up in, like in their fridge, but they'd always have like a a milk crate at the front and the I'm mm. certain that the, the the delivery driver used to leave the the naughty soft drink at the front of their house. I'm certain of it. But yeah, that's a, that's a, another Geelong business we lost. Yeah. It had a it had a variety of flavors, but uh, it was good too. It was it was good stuff. I mean, you know, if you're if you're a snotty little kid like I was, you come you sometimes like, eh, can we have real coke? Um, but uh, yeah, no, there was. It was usually a bit of a pleasure to receive a six pack of Noddy's, uh bottles that were. You know, multicolored and multi-flavored. It was, it was quite delicious. So they continue on. They've seen the milkman, and they realize that the judge lives in. No, notice I'm now to saying the judge because it's much easier to say. <laughs> they <laughs> notice that the judge is very cool, and she lives in a houseboat. So Homer thinks it's very cool that she lives in the houseboat. But Marge makes him realize and remember what, Mister Davis? Got to fight the power. Fight the powers that be. <laughs> The cops that arrive and they think they're just two longshoremen who have fallen in love. <laughs> and then they're putting up the banner, which this was very cliche, very basic, but it always gets a good chuckle. You think they're going to be saying the word bitch on their banner, but no, they're saying big meanie. Big which, meanie. If there was ever a banner that Marge was going to put up on someone's houseboat, <laughs> it is this one. Big meanie. <laughs> And uh, this is where the seal arrives. What is the seal's name? Uh, Poncho. Poncho is the name. Pon- Poncho the seal. And yeah. Poncho the s- yeah. Seals are indeed dogs of the sea. Even even before you know, uh, Poncho does uh, do some very dog-like things. I mean, you've seen pictures of seals and probably interacted with seals in the past. They're oh, very. Mate, they're I've in- interacted with the most famous seal of all, Salty. Oh, of course, Salty. Yeah, they're incredibly dog-like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they are. That's why I can never watch the the shark attack videos where they get a sh- seal. I prefer not to. <laughs> yeah, I just I can't do it because they just seem. Have you ever seen that video of the the seal that jumps onto the back of the guy's boat trying to escape the killer whales? No, I have not. Oh, it's worth watching because the seal survives. So the seal, there's these killer whales just sort of like circling this boat, and the seal jumps onto the boat, and it just has this look in its eyes as if to say, "Please help me." 
Mm. You know, this is, and it, they look over and there's killer whales swimming around, and they let this seal stay on the boat until the whales go away. Oof. But it's just like, imagine how great it would be going out on a fishing trip, and this seal just joined you. You know, I, I would love <laughs> to have a seal as a pet. They, they are, you're right. They are just like giant fat dogs, aren't they? Oh yeah, it's, there's there's lovely footage I've seen of um, like scuba divers uh, being underwater, and seals have come up, and mm. they'll just and they'll just completely. Yeah, love up on you and sort of, you know, rub their faces or love you. Pretty much like a dog. It's it's adorable. Mm. Oh, look, that's how you approach Louise, right? The lovely Louise? That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> then, unfortunately, things go awry here where Homer and Marge panic. They go and hide behind, like, bins or something. The judge comes out and Homer attempts to kill her by throwing a cinder block at her head. She thankfully ducks the Block hits her boat and crashes the boat. The boat goes down very quickly. I'm assuming they're running out of time in this episode. Mm. Um, but, I mean, in all honesty, Marge, the judge isn't the villain here. They fucking sunk her house, man. I know. There, there should be a law against sinking a perfectly good houseboat. In fact, there probably is. I mean, I mean they, they, they literally get away with destroying someone's house. Mm, and ruining her lovely quilt. Exactly what that her fucking grandmother made for her. Come on, man. A grandmother. <laughs> um, but we're back in the court. Um, so Homer's trying to justify the fact that the quilt cost her nothing, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so she, say, she says she's going to lock them up, and Bart uh, asked to speak. So this has been, I've seen in numerous articles, it's a bit of a troubling line when she says, it reminds me, uh, you remind me of I when I was a little boy. I don't know. I never really thought that that joke sat well or was necessary. I mean, I know you're going for the Judge Judy piss take, but to the, go to the extent of saying she was once a little boy, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know, maybe a little bit too far. I, I, this to me just felt like The Simpsons attempted to be edgy for the sake of edgy. Yeah, it's a bit of a cheap gag. Absolutely. I mean, mm. um, and, you know, Snake repeating it a bit later is just yeah, sort of only amplifies the... Cheapness. Hey, look, we we, we, we we said she was a boy. Hey, how funny are we these days? Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's not a winner. But, uh, but you know, he talks his parents up. He says that they, they, they're the only ones that would never give up on him. Lisa is proud of him. And we get the moment that you said with Snake pointing, uh, you know, did she just say she used to be a dude? But asked that he be punished instead. And she's about to do that. She's going to send, I think it was five years in juvie. But then Snyder arrives. And because the clown is down... It is time for him to now take over once again. Constance Harm is now pushed to the side, even though they sunk her fucking house. And the, because boys will be boys, he lets him off. No one learns their lessons. Everyone's happy. Marge makes the family raise their hands and say they'll never break the law for a full year. And in about three seconds' time, Homer runs over hands moment. He doesn't mean it, though. I will give him that. That's uh, true. But he does you know, turn up the radio to try and pretend like it never happened. <laughs> That's true. And if you do look closely, you'll see just before the, the scene cuts, you will see Molman walking away seemingly unharmed. Yes, which is, this, I did like that they added that little bit in there at the end to say, you know, he was okay. Um, the ending to me, even now I've gone back and reviewed it, gone through it properly, I liked it less. I do think that this ending, I keep saying fell off a cliff. It wasn't that bad, but it really, the, the episode suffered as a result of this ending. It did not need to shift gears to Marge and Homer. I don't think that was needed at all. It almost felt like they had the ending in mind before they finished writing the episode, and they thought, how can we get to this ending? That's how it sort of comes across. Mm-hmm. But if that had stuck with Marge, uh, with Homer and Bart, I think this episode would have been a real thumbs up. 
It is usually a tenet of writing that you um, know your ending and work backwards from that. So, yeah, that is quite possibly the case, Dando. Um, yeah, I, I do agree. I mean, um, I think it really should have been a more Bart and Homer-focused episode. I think the uh, the inclusion of Marge or tethering Homer and Marge... Um, I think that's a good idea as well, but it's just not for this episode. I think I think connecting two people like that, sort of joining them together, it's a, it's all it's it's good for drama, it's good for comedy, and um, I think you can get whole episodes out of it and explore it in different ways. So uh, yeah, to double up the, the the way that they do in this episode just seems I don't know a little um, awkward for mine. So what did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? Oh, well, hang on. Let's uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves, Dando. I mean, if we've got to sit through the closing credits so we can get some more uh, BOC, we get a, a, you know, a lovely original rendition of Don't Fear the Reaper. Not all that much cowbell in this time around. So I think Will Ferrell and Christopher Walken lied to us. I got a fever. <laughs> the only prescription is more cowbell. You know, I mean, <laughs> not a, not that much cowbell in this one. And if you stick around to the very end, over the Gracie, you hear you hear Homer saying, cowbell. Yeah, yeah, "Cobras." So yes, cobras. Oh, not, okay. <laughs> not not cowbell, but cobras. So yes. Well, um, sorry, you're asking me what I learned from this episode. What did we learn, Palmer? I'll ask it again, Mister Davis. So, what did you learn from this episode? <laughs> um, uh, that one should you know have an empty bottle on standby at all times for uh, both number one and number two. You know, there, there's going to be times when, you know, we, we have plenty to learn from our hobo brothers and sisters. I learned in this episode that you should never talk a foul of desserts around Homer. <laughs> Absolutely not. From this day forward, your names will be... Okay, it is time for some new names, Mr. Davis. So, we were just discussing off the air that we never actually discuss what the play on the title of the episode is. So, this one's called The Parent Rap. Would you like to enlighten our listeners as to, as to what... This title was hinting at. Oh well, I like to think it's a bit of a riff on the uh, the parent trap, isn't it? The um, the much loved uh, story about twins who uh, have been. What? How does that? How does that story? I've never ever watched it because it was Lindsay Lohan, and I went, yeah, no, thank you. I know that was. I know that was the remake, but I've just never seen either of them. Yeah, of course, there was the uh, original version, which then came out in the 60s, star young English actress Hayley Mills as the twins. And then you had a version, I think, which came out in either the late 90s, but I'm thinking probably the early 2000s, with a very young... I'm just seeing here, it's 1998, yes. 1998, with a very young and... Uh... <laughs> full of promise. <laughs> full of promise, shall we say, Lindsay Lohan, before uh, before Hollywood got its claws into her and messed her all up, the poor dear. Um, before she came out and was a judge on... What was it was she on the Masked Singer out here? I think she was a judge. I have no idea, mate. I don't watch free to air TV at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, nor do I really. But I did. I did get a press release that said, "Here are the judges for the Masked Singer coming soon to Channel Ten: Husey and Jackie O, and guess what, Lindsay Lohan." I'm like, oh my god, how much? Oh, wow, she must have really need money. Uh, how much did she owe her dealer? Her car dealer, I mean, you know, because she just bought a new car. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, uh, yes, The Parent Rap is, of course, a play on The Parent Trap, a much-loved movie in which uh, divorced parents have seemingly taken one of the one of the kids and raised them by themselves, and then these kids discover, wait a minute, I've got an identical twin, and our parents are divorced, let's get them back together? It's, it's really weird. It's, I mean, 
Danda, you had issues with um, you know, some of the family stuff in this episode of The Simpsons. I've got an issue with the whole premise of the parent trap. But anyway, I'm just reading. I'm reading here. Identical twins Hallie and Annie are separated after their parents' divorce. Years later, they discover each other at a summer camp and decide to switch places in an effort to reunite their parents. That is pretty fucking weird. That's very weird. So <laughs> let us not dwell on that any further. Instead. Go, no. to, go to something much more interesting, much more fun, new titles. Yes, the guy, Davis, new name championships. The current leaderboard stands at this after the first week. We had on one point, Andrew Palacati on two points, Philip Hawkins, and on three points, Talia Enriquez atop the leaderboard. So this week for the parent rap, what have we got in regards of new names, Mr. Davis? Well, we have three honorable mentions and three points getters. So Ooh. in the honorable mentions uh, section, let's give a shout out to Kenneth A. Rice. Uh, for Tethered to the Blob. I thought that was quite good, a play on Married to the Mob. Uh, uh, the- it makes perfect sense. Homer is somewhat of a blob, uh, isn't he? And, and and Bart is indeed tethered to him. It makes sense. Um, <laughs> as does Jennifer McKay's uh, alternative title, Rope and Dope. Um, I quite like that. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, they're both very, very good. Yeah, yeah. And, and guess what? Here's another good one by Philip Hawkins, uh, Bart on a Wire. Um, it's a uh, oh, that's very good. It's good. It's a shout out to the Leonard Cohen song "Bird on a Wire." So good work, Philip Hawkins. Also, the the Goldie Horn film. I want to say the Mel Gibson and Goldie Horn uh, action comedy of the late eighties, early nineties. I believe. Don't think I've ever seen it. What? I feel like you would have seen all of Gibbo's films. There are some Gibbos that I have uh, that I have not. That may be the only Gibbo that I haven't seen. Okay. But now to three, two, one points in the uh, Guy Davis New Name Challenge. One point goes to Keith Nettum, the fabulous Keith baker. Nettum. Yeah, the fabulous baker boy, as I like to call him. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, he, he's always making those delightful tricks. People who check out the Four Finger Discounts patrons page will see Keith Nettum is often whipping up delightful sweet treats, not unlike that, uh, you know, uh, bottomless donut that uh, Clancy's having at the start of this episode. I think you should make one of those, Keith, and then send it to me. Um, but Keith Nedham gets some, what? Some, some, some of the stuff that Keith posts in that Patreon group looks delicious. Oh, it looks utterly mouthwarming. The man is an absolute wizard in the kitchen. Um, and also a wizard when it comes to new names because he gets one point for sentence of a woman. Ooh, very, it's, that's fucking spot on, Keith. Well done, man. It's not bad by Keith. Keith did some good stuff, as did Steve Roberts. Steve Robert gets two points for Tether Regions. <laughs> I like it. I like it too, very, very much. But three points goes to our man, Boston, Mark Boston Burgess. No, oh, that's more New York. Sorry, Mark Boston Burgess. <laughs> uh, but Mark Boston Burgess gets three points for his new title for the parent rap, Judge Dreadful. Very, very good. Uh, these these six that you just read out could have all won, in my in my opinion. They were all really, really solid. Indeed. Not wanting to sound like a mum at a five-year-old's birthday party, but you're all winners. Um, but, but in <laughs> a very real... Of, Lord of the idiots right here, people. <laughs> <laughs> but in a very real sense, Mark Boston Burgess is the, the big winner this time around. With yes. Three, so the current leaderboard now stands... With Andrew Pellicati and Keith Nedham both on one, Philip Hawkins and Steve Roberts. Steve Roberts, that was who got the two points, correct? Correct. Yep, Steve Roberts, uh, both on two and three points each to Talia Enriquez and Mark Boston 
Burgess. Well done, everybody. Well done, patrons. Now, Mr. Davis, it is time that we go to our Twitter and Instagram and find some new names from our incredible listeners over there as well. Let's do it. And I've just got the Twitter up here. So, don't forget, guys, follow us on Twitter at FourFingerPods. So, what have they sent in this week? We've got here from at Moki004200. Ooh, three pretty solid entries. So, Michael here, he says he sent in a beautiful bind, tethering with you, and rope-a-dope. Well played, sir. I really do like those. Ooh, here we go. This appeals to the little horror fan inside of me. Mike Salter at Shimpan Salter says, tetherface. Not bad at all. Oh, Dan, at Dan429366 says the parent crap, awful episode. It's a bit harsh. Pretty solid until we get the uh, the Marge angle. But, you know, I still wouldn't say it's crap. Just not as good as the first two acts. <laughs> Inside Oz podcast says do the buy man. A little play on do the Bart man. Not bad. They say it's their second attempt as the first one was shit. Joey Rhymes Love says this is a, a little 90s reference here. At Tether Lockfear, a play on Heather Locklear. So thank you to everybody on Twitter for sending in your new names on there. Now let's go across to our Instagram page. So big thanks to everybody over on Twitter for sending in your new names. Let's head over now to our Instagram page. You can follow us at Four Finger Discount if you're a regular listener and you want to get your new name read out in the show. So at Neil underscore T1984 also says Dope on a Rope. So a popular entry there. Well played. A lot of people send it in Cobras. Cobra reference. Cobras, Cobras, Cobra Terrors, Cobra on a Rope. A few there it's getting sent in. And, oh, I think this might be my favorite from the Instagram entries this week. From at stay underscore Gordon 87, he says, family tied as in family ties. That's a solid entry. That's some really good stuff there from our Instagram followers. Don't forget, follow us on Instagram at Four Finger Discount. But, Mr. Davis, once again, our followers on Twitter and Instagram coming through with the goods once again in season 13. We appreciate you all sending in your new names each week, don't we, Mr. Davis? We do indeed. Social media is just full of some very smart, very witty individuals and very tasteful individuals as well if they're listening to Four Finger Discount. Jamil! Jamil is here! Okay, it is now time for the mailbag for the parent wrap here on Four Finger Discount. We've got a few questions coming through this week, Mr. Davis, in the Patreon mailbag. This first one here comes from Grace Scott. She says, how would this go down in the Dando household? i.e. Dando and Elliot being tethered together. Not fucking well if you go by how today went. My God. Everything I asked Elliot, it was no, no, <laughs> no. And I thought I'd trick him. So I was offering him food, right? Because he was just saying no to everything. So I said, do you want a sandwich? No. Do you want toast? No. Do you want crackers? No. Do you want Pepsi? No. Wait, 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 Pepsi? Yes, Pepsi. Yes. I was like, like he was just oh. waiting for, he was just waiting for me to say things and then saying no. And I was like, oh, you are so frustrating sometimes. <laughs> welcome but, to parenthood, man. Yeah, welcome to parenthood. You say that from you say that like from a man from experience. Is there something I don't know, Mr. Davis? I had parents. <laughs> <laughs> I am therefore an authority. <laughs> but yeah, I just I mean, ninety nine point one percent of the time I love the little dude, but there is that period during the day where he just decides he's gonna be a little shithead. I mean, and we've all been little shitheads in our times, but you know where you just want to lay down and rest and then all of a sudden a two-year-old jumps on your balls? Yeah, that's my life. <laughs> I've had I've had that, but with a cat. So yeah, I mean, it's um, slightly different, but uh, the impact is still somewhat the same. How do you think it would have went with young guy and Bobby Davis being tethered together? 
Hmm, that's an interesting question. No, Dad was a uh, was a man of boundless good humour and infinite patience, so I imagine he would have lasted maybe six hours. <laughs> uh, next question oh, is from... Oh, and but, but before we go, may I just pull a uh, Superman reference and say in reference to the uh, person who asked that question, Grace Scott! <laughs> Sorry, that's. I just, I just wanted to do that. Sorry, I, I really should grow up, <laughs> but uh, I just just want to say that. That's very good. Uh, the next question comes from Keith Nedham, uh, and he says, if you were the judge, what would you do that would punish both the kids and a parent? I would um, make. I would say the parent isn't free from their sentence, like they're under house arrest until they finish their child's favorite video game without any help from the child. Ooh. Oh, that's an imaginative and uh, diabolical punishment, Dando. <laughs> that's, that's really good, actually. Um, I was thinking more along the lines of um, the much-loved 80s comedy. And when I say much-loved, I mean barely loved, but uh, some people might remember it. Vice Versa, starring, um, talking about judges, my favourite judge, Judge Reinhold, and Fred Savage. Have you, do you remember this one? Have you heard of this one, Dando? I don't remember it at all, no. Okay, at well, all. there's a magic spell whereby a uh, workaholic father and his somewhat neglected son, they switch bodies. And in switching places, they realise that, well, the, the young one realises, hey, oh, being a grown-up isn't uh, as much fun and, you know, it's, it's full of, you know, tough stuff and hardship and all that kind of business. And the dad realises that, oh, wait, my son's got troubles of his own i think we understand each other a bit better now so i think um an imaginative judge faced with a uh, couple of you know parent and child uh, ne'er-do-wells should force them to swap places for like a week or a month or a year even and you know the parent has to go to school and take part in all sort of childish activities while you know the kid has to go off and earn a living or something <laughs> Sounds like, a, like you said, a budding 80s comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get a proper job. So, yeah, um, that this is why um, I should never be uh, in any position of authority or uh, jurisdiction or anything like that. <laughs> is that is that like a similar thing to like Freaky Friday? It's a bit similar, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, there was a whole wake of, oh, when I say a whole, whole bunch of them, there was like, there was big... There was one called Like Father, Like Son, and then there was Vice Versa. They all came out at roughly the same time. Okay. And only one of them had Tom Hanks, therefore would have been good. That's correct. The other ones had like Dudley Moore and Kirk Cameron and <laughs> all that shit and Judge Reinhold and Fred Savage. So, yeah, they kind of vanished to the, uh, the sands of time and Big is, of course, Big. Final question here comes from Henrik Vinterland. And Henrik asks, if given the opportunity, would you live on a houseboat? Um, my answer to this is uh, simple and comprehensive. Fuck yes. Yeah, I'm. The, I get seasick really easily, like from the swaying of water. I'm assuming a houseboat, though, if it's tethered to the pier, it wouldn't be rocking all that much. But man, if I'm on, out in a boat, I just, I, I don't know, I'm weak. I just can't handle it being out in the water. I'm terrible. Mm. Well, ha clearly, you've seen the signs on various houseboats. If the houseboat's rocking, don't bother knocking. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but um, if you've got a bit of a uh, an upset tummy when it comes to motion sickness or something like that, then the houseboat is probably not for you. I'm I'm fairly good with that kind of thing. I'm good with boats and and all that kind of business. And I don't know. I just like the idea of a house living on a houseboat, man. I mean, it's uh, 
it's just got a real kind of 70s playboy vibe to it. You know, like I was a cool private eye or something. And, you know, when I wasn't solving problems, I was just kicking back on the houseboat. Um, I know I said that that last question there was the last one, but I want to answer this one here. Um, yep. It's an interesting one. Final one here. Mark Boston Purchase says, who would you be happy to be tethered to? Who would you like to be tethered to, Mr. Davis? Oh, golly. Well, It's, it's, um, just, it's, it's just for a week. Well, uh, I like to think I'll, I'm already emotionally tethered to the uh, to the lovely Louise. Uh, it'd, it'd be very, oh, she, very she's tethered. She's tethered to you, whether she likes yeah. it or not. Yeah, that's correct. Um, I, like, I think it'd be very interesting to see how we'd go with no distance for one week. Because yeah, because you've never lived together, have you? That's when it really. That's when it all changes. But you're a person that, who likes his space. I don't feel like you and Louise would ever like live together. I think we, we we will eventually. It's certainly something that we've talked about, but it'll be okay. way down the yeah. line. Um, and I think we're going to have to sort of have a few years of getting closer and closer and closer to that. So I'm just, I'm just visualizing you moving in the first day. You just paint this line down in the middle of the room. You stay on that side, and I stay on this side. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, who would I want to be? No, Celebrity-wise, though, who would you want to be tethered to? I'm just trying to think who I'd want to be. I think young Dando would have wanted to be tethered to Will Smith. I just thought he was the fucking coolest guy when I was a kid. He just seemed like he would have been a lot of fun. Now, though, who would I want to be tethered to? Someone who I can engage in good conversation. It, while you're thinking, I might just chime in. Yeah. Because I, I've recently finished reading Matthew McConaughey's memoir, Green Lights. Okay. It's, and um, he seems to live a fairly interesting life and have a fairly fascinating view of the world. And he's also someone who, you know, I won't say he's a party animal, but I think he likes a good time every now and again. So I think I could spend a week... Tethered to my man McConaughey. All right, all right. Yeah. I'd want to be tethered to someone who does a good McConaughey impersonation in Matt Damon. Ooh, I think Matt Damon yeah. just seems like a down-to-earth dude who just has some absolute killer stories, and I feel like he'd be a good storyteller as well. I think that would uh, certainly be the case. Have you ever interviewed Damon? I've interviewed Matt Damon three times. Wowee. I don't yeah, think you've told me that. One for each of the uh, the three Bourne movies. Well, well he made- maybe you have told me that, but I don't remember. Uh, maybe you just told me that you had an interview, but I haven't asked any questions about it. Like, was he a good dude? He was. He came across as a uh, as a solid fella. I mean, he had his game face on as you uh, as you do. I mean, I wasn't going to sort of come away from saying, "Well, I'm best friends with Matty D now." But um, he was, you know, open to questions. He was, you know, he didn't mind if it. He didn't mind if you sort of sl- slightly took the piss a little bit. Um, no, he was he was a, a cool dude and, and a very, very smart fella. Yeah, I, I enjoyed interviewing him very much. All right, well, thanks for your questions, patients, for this week's mailbag. Uh, yeah, I, hope thanks, you our review. I hope you enjoyed our review of the Parent Wrap. Uh, an overall thumbs-up episode. It had a bit of a shitty ending, but all in all, I still think it was pretty, pretty good by season 13 standards. Now, next week, as I mentioned at the start of this episode, we are not going to be doing a season 13 episode. We're going to be going all the way back to season one and revisiting Bart the Genius with your man, Mr. Guy Davis, because today, as we said, marks the 30th anniversary of Bart the Genius airing for the first time in Australia, and it was the first time The Simpsons ever aired in Australia. So I thought, what better time to go back and revisit it? But yes, so each now, I'm going to remind the listeners once more, I said it last week's podcast, each month now, once a month, you're going to get a classic uh, review. So we're going to go all the way back to the start and review them all in order once per month. But if you are a patron, 
we will be handpicking, well, actually, no, we're not going to be handpicking anymore. We're going to be allowing the patrons to decide which mm. classic episode we review exclusively for the patrons. So, if you're a free feed listener, you'll still be able to hear that at some point once we catch up to that episode. But if you want to hear it now, you're just going to be a four-finger discount patron. Uh, so, last month, we did Bart versus Australia. Um, and this next this month here in February, since it's Valentine's month, we're going to be doing I Love Lisa. But from March onwards, patrons, you guys are going to be deciding which episodes, which classic ones we review for the Patreon page. But yes. next week, Bart the Genius, really, really looking forward to it. Uh, should be a good time. I really do enjoy going back and watching these season one episodes. They are so underappreciated. So hope you're all looking forward to our review of that. Uh, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Keep those reviews coming. Uh, we'd love to know what you think of the show. Keep those five-star reviews coming through as well. It really helps us boost up the rankings when people search for Simpsons Podcast. And I appreciate everyone who's taking the time to do so already. It really does help a lot. So if you could take the time this week, I need to take your 30 seconds or so to jump onto the iTunes page and give us a five-star review, leave a few kind words, it would be a massive help to us. Um, follow us on Twitter at Four Finger Pod and on Instagram at Four Finger Discount. If you haven't followed us on Facebook yet, what are you doing? Follow us as well, facebook.com slash Four Finger Discount. Also going to be uploading the podcast now to YouTube and I've just, because I bought the new camera and everything, I'm going to be doing a lot more YouTube-based uh, videos on the Four Finger Discount channel. So you can find <laughs> us on YouTube. You can find us on YouTube, Four Finger Discount as well. So check that out. But for now, Mr. Davis... Any final words for our amazing listeners? The clown is down. Shh.